Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, first question. Are you still high and dry? You good to go? I'm good to go. Um, Not much in the way of hurricane conditions up my way in the D.C. area. Got a little bit of rain today, though, as we record here on Monday night. Um, You're back from the baseball trip. How was it? I'm told it was pretty good. I'm told it was pretty good. Okay, good. So, So somebody remembered it. So that's important. Yeah, and, and needless to say, probably a really good weekend to not watch Georgia Tech play football, but we will get into that. Yep. Um, there was a team in the ACC, Mike, and by the way, I need to pull this up because um, I literally, while I was on this trip, I wrote a reminder to myself uh, that there is a certain way that we need to start this podcast is um, if I told you right now that there is a quarterback in the ACC who, through three games, has completed almost 69% of his passes. Nice. Nice. 626 yards, nine touchdowns, no interceptions. Who would that quarterback be, Mike? Uh, that quarterback would be A.J. Dillon at Boston College, Joey. He doesn't play quarterback, Mike. Oh, yeah, you're right. He plays running back. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony Brown at Boston College. There it is. It is Anthony Brown who, there it is. believe it or not, yeah, 69% completions, nine touchdowns, no picks, has been a total force through three games. His Eagles go to Winston-Salem this weekend uh, on Thursday, actually, take out Wake Forest 41-34. Boston College is rolling. They're newly ranked. And we had to we had to go to the source here to talk about where we're at on this mic. Uh, we welcome in welcome back, Mr. Dan Rubin. Dan, how are you, sir? Guys, I I I would say that it is a pleasure to be here, and that would be the understatement of the year. What a time to be alive, and what a time to be uh, to be following Boston College football. It's a wonderful it's a wonderful week. I, I'm not gonna lie, I I did not totally see this coming from the dudes like a year ago now. But man, what a uh, what a gem that they have found in, in AJ Dillon. He has just been an absolute force for this team ever since he really started getting a bunch of work this time last year. Yeah, I mean the the offense. So the funny thing is the offense, and, and Steve Adazio had said that this this was going to be the case, and and it is. I mean, this is exactly what they thought when they brought in AJ Dillon at running back, and exactly what they thought when they brought in Anthony Brown at, at quarterback, and. They've got a, a couple of guys that they just started to scratch the surface with last year, um, which is amazing considering the amount of yards that A.J. Dillon piled up. And Anthony Brown had started to scratch the surface, and then he he, he had a knee injury that ended the season. But I'll tell you, that game on Thursday, when you consider the amount of offense that B.C. piled up, the the way they they ran play action, the way they ate, uh, just ate alive the, the Wake Forest defense in the right moments. I mean, they, they ran until the safeties cheated up and then they ran play action. BC scored what? Six touchdowns in that game. Zero times in the red zone for a touchdown, six touchdowns, all coming outside the red zone. I mean, that is, 
that's just that's just fun to watch. That's just fun offense to watch. Thousand yards of offense in a game. It's a again. I'm still giddy. It's three days later. There's a game on Saturday. I know I have to get ready for it. I'm still giddy about this. Noted big play, Steve or uh, uh, Steve Adazio slash Scott Leffler offense. Scott Leffler didn't get in his own way, which is an accomplishment. <laughs> so so far, so good, Dan. You know, I'll tell you what, he's been he's been fantastic as the coordinator this year. He's been he's worked with the quarterbacks that, through this time period and, and and when you when you look at the at what they've been able to do, I know that that Mike is a Virginia Tech fan. You uh you have your 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 thoughts and opinions. Um, but he has been he has been great as a coordinator at BC running things and even the jet sweeps, which I know we've we've joked about, have come at the right times. I mean, they they've run the jet sweep with Jeff Smith a few times and Michael Walker, and you see the guy go across, then all of a sudden he cuts up field, and you're thinking, all right, well, how many times in a row can you run that? And then they run it three times in in you know a handful of plays, and it works each time because they've been able to diversify the right way with the other way. So I know um, it's it's weird. It's probably weird for you to hear that, um, and, and I readily admit that, but. For us, it has been a uh, it has been a godsend. I'm glad that somebody can be happy, Dan. Um, you know, Scott Leffler with the Virginia Tech offense was running jet sweeps. It was always a day late, a dollar short. So um, that's good. I'm glad it's working out for your Eagles. You know, you know, I, there was a, there was a play that that was a screen pass to Jeff Smith against Wake Forest. He caught the ball and he went the other. And instead of cutting inside, he cut outside. And I sat there and I was like, "What are you doing? We've run that play a thousand times in the last couple of years." And but then uh, you look back and then they ran the jet sweep with him and he took off for like a 20 something yard run or whatever it is two weeks ago. So I can't complain too much. And there were two other names I wanted to bring up in relation to this game. And, and again, I kind of mentioned it before, but Anthony Brown, look, we talk all this about A.J. Dillon and he has a big game, 185 yards and a touchdown. Anthony Brown, 304 yards, five touchdowns, no picks in this game. He was fantastic. What a player. Oh, he was a dude. He was a he dude. Was a, he was a dude. Uh, he was a dude. And he threw in a couple of those passes, too, in, in those plays were just him having the pocket awareness and knowing where the play was going. And it's funny, I, I actually asked him today at the uh, at the BC press conference. I, I just came out and asked him. I was like, you know, what worked on all those plays you – threw a 71-yard pass to Jeff Smith, threw a 30-yard pass to Tommy Sweeney. These are all touchdowns. And he said, you know, we worked on them dating back into spring practice, into summer practice and training camp, and and then we just watched it execute. And uh, Dave Koss game actually said there was a double move that, that Kobe White ran that he felt like he got burnt a little bit too easy. The, the defensive backing maybe committed a little bit too much, but when you're running the play action and you think A.J. Dillon's getting the ball, everybody tries to commit to the front – Wide receiver makes a double move up the front, up the uh, up the sideline, and all of a sudden he's wide open. Boom! You get the score. Jeff Smith, seventy-yard touchdown reception. He's doing the same thing. He's making a little move on the outside, hitting the sideline. Deeks one guy out, and and that quarterback is just bang, 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 hitting those throws in stride. And they're not asking him to do too much. They're not asking him to 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 reinvent the wheel at, at quarterback. But at the same time, they're giving him plays that he is capable of making and capable of executing. And it's, and it's been really fun to watch in his development. Dan, uh, real quick. So BC has a ton of production on offense. Uh, you know, it's a welcome sight, obviously a little bit of cause of concern potentially with the rushing defense in this game, give up 298 yards on the ground. What's the level of concern on that side of the football? You know, I, I, I 
I'll counter it and I'll say not too much. And the reason for that is because the defense actually was on the field for a hundred something plays. Uh, so Connor Strahan at linebacker played something like 105 snaps in one game. And, and, oh, and he said, and I actually have it in front of me because I have the box score. I think he wound up with like 14 or 15 tackles in that. Yeah. 13 solo tackles, two assistant. So 15 tackles in that game. And he played 106 snaps. And Wyatt Ray, who had four uh, four sacks, which was a which was a program record, actually. He um, his record the the four sacks came, and he played 100 something snaps. So at that point, your numbers I think get inflated strictly because you're on the field for what amounts to uh, two games worth of snaps. I, the, the name you just brought up, Wyatt Ray, was the other name I was going to bring up, Dan. Four sacks on the game. I mean, that's a hell of a performance from him as well. Um, yeah, overall, I mean, this was a fun game. There was a lot of back and forth in this one. It was very close. It was tight at halftime. Um, Wake Forest, you, you're right, came away with about 300 yards on the ground, Mike, but it took them 60 carries to do so. Um, so Boston College holds up and ends up getting it done here. And I think this is a big win for them moving forward. I, I think that what you've seen from them as well as what you're starting to see from a couple other teams there in the Atlantic, I think Boston College has a really chance, a real chance to make a run at this thing this year. They're, they're getting real good at, uh, at at the right time, I think, within this this division. So, um, Dan, appreciate you joining us here. Are you uh, interested in sticking around to recap the rest of our ACC games here? Why not? I mean, it wasn't there wasn't too much going on this weekend with the storm and all, uh, but it was uh, it was interesting. It was really interesting weekend of football. Well, interesting is one word to describe what happened in the Carrier Dome this weekend. Uh, let's start there. Syracuse 30, Florida State 7. What in the blue hell was this, Mike? Florida um, State is a grease fire. Um, okay. So, real quick, uh, I'd like to apologize in advance. Well, I'd just like to apologize uh, for my ACC pick of the week. <laughs> and I'd like to apologize to myself. And all of my fans and my friends and family and Joey's friends and family. And Dan, I'll apologize to you, too. Um, I pitched Florida State to win and cover two and a half, Joey. And then the game happened. <laughs> um, 30 to 7. Uh, Florida State scored seven points against Syracuse. Good God. <laughs> that is an atrocious defense they just played. Seven points? Seven? Colgate scored seven. <laughs> Golly. I So, I, I don't know if we've mentioned it yet. I, I was not really in a great position to watch a lot of games this weekend. Truth be told, I was on my uh, annual boys baseball trip. But this was the one game that I was kind of monitoring as closely as anything. And it just got more and more away from Florida State. And I, I mean, it was seven Colgate. I, dude, this <laughs> this is a hell of a uh, a hell of an effort that Willie Taggart's going to have to give to get this thing fixed because this thing just got out of hand in the second half. I mean, Syracuse. Whew, um, Dan, did you get a chance to watch this game? Do you have opinions here? I did. I did watch it, and I um. I, I I feel, you know, it's, it's, it, I always say it's hard to feel bad when you're a Florida state fan, given the amount of success that they've had uh, through the years. And it's really hard to feel bad for them. Um, 
but the but I will uh, because uh, you know watching that team and watching the way that it struggled, it seemed it, the problem was not talent, and and the problem on the field against Syracuse was not talent. It just seemed disjointed, and and growing accustomed to the what you'd expect out of a Florida State offense, in particular, sticking on the offense, is the inability to play together like you'd have a tackle miss you know you take the snap and the tackle misses a block or the the it's not in sync with the rest of the line and you see the running back not get out in the right pattern or the wide receiver doesn't get out in the right pattern and that's not typical of Florida State and for me watching it I was I I again I I am impressed with the amount of athleticism that they have and and you look at their athletes and those guys if they can put it together it's still early in the season if they start putting it together and get on a roll all of a sudden they're going to they're going to start tearing and ripping apart teams so there is time still but for my sake watching it was they just looked disjointed and and that's not a talent issue that's a that's a psychological issue and that's a that's something that can't be fixed by having a guy throw 50 passes in practice they need to work on that come together as a team and hey we you know we can't have that happen to Syracuse's credit Syracuse took adva- full advantage and 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 took that game and and did what Dino Babers does best, which is win a game when they when they're given the opportunity. They they put up thirty points and they had to play two quarterbacks in that game. So to their credit, they uh, they did what they had to do, and they're probably a lot better than I think people give them credit for. But still, I mean, on paper, when you look at the athletes that Florida State has in general, they're expected to compete a lot better than a 30 to seven result against anybody, not just Syracuse. It's not, it's not to take away from Syracuse and it's not to take away from anyone else. It's just that they need to turn it around a lot faster than I think that they have in the first three games. Joey and Dan, I need to um, issue my second and third corrections of the night already. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm on a roll here in the first 10 minutes of the podcast. Uh, Syracuse by, by Colgate. I meant Wagner. And Wagner scored 10 points, not seven. So they scored more than Florida State. Good Lord. Okay. It, so so if you want to look at a total assessment of what's going on here, I think Florida State's offensive line is a just a complete disaster of the worst proportions. And, and the, you're going to come back to them in a later segment. So don't worry about that. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. Their defense is actually decent, if not good, but – their offense has such problems staying on the field and moving the ball that the defense just gets worn out by the second half and, and just can't hold forever. And I, maybe some of this goes on Jimbo Fisher and his staff for the, the offensive line that they did or didn't leave, you know, but there's some other just disorganization even on the offense aside from the line that you start to wonder, like, what are they coaching these kids on? I, I don't get it. Um, it's, you know, DeAndre Francois completing 50% of his passes and Cam Akers, you know, struggling the way that he does to run the ball and get anything going in the – I mean, it's just – it is ridiculous to watch. Um, it's painful to watch. So, I I mean, at this point, Mike, I, you and I were talking a little bit. I think the strategy here from a betting perspective is just fade Florida State. They're a public team, but they are not good right now. And it's a little bit of a question of whether time is going to fix this with Willie Taggart. I'd have to think it will, given that he's been really good at three other stops, all of whom were really pretty bad in their first year, except for Oregon. So I'd have to think that he'll get this fixed. But, I mean, for now, it is hard to have any sort of faith in them, especially from like a betting perspective. I think you got to go away from them. 
this offensive line was bad before they started having depth issues as far as from an injury standpoint. Um, this was already like an offensive line that had holes to fill. Um, and then it really only got worse once they started suffering injuries up front. And now it's an atrocious unit. And it's one that's going to be taken advantage of uh, for the remainder of the season. That's for sure. Um, you worry about Florida State because DeAndre Francois literally can't stand in the pocket for even a second after he gets the ball. I mean, he is getting harassed. He has to run for his life as soon as he gets the snap. They're in a very tough spot moving forward. They have a tough schedule. We know they play in the Atlantic, the tougher of the two divisions in the ACC. BC's clicking on all cylinders. You know they have to play uh they you know they have to play Clemson. Um Louisville hasn't looked great so far, but they still have some athletes. I mean, there are some tough games here NC State. So Florida State's got a lot of losable games left on their schedule. Forget going to a bowl game. You got to scratch and claw to see I don't know, two or three wins remaining on their schedule, given the fact that they've played as poorly as they have to open up this season. And it makes you raise a bunch of other questions, too, like how good is Virginia Tech, for example? Um, you know, they look dope. They, they go out in, into Tallahassee in the opener. They win that game pretty handily. With a bad offensive performance, you have to wonder how good is this Virginia Tech team? They're just lingering questions now coming down the pipe because Florida State has looked so objectively terrible here in the first three weeks of the season. There are already GoFundMe pages set up from Florida State fans for Willie Taggart and his buyout, which is $21 million. Florida State fans just need to get back on the wagon and support this guy because he's not going anywhere anytime soon. I First of all, don't be that guy that's starting GoFundMe pages to fire the coach. Those are going around for my team, and we'll get to them here in just a second as well. Real, real quick, Joey, there were like seven or eight of them, and I think total they've raised like $35 as of this morning. So Yeah, that, that's even more embarrassing than the fact that there are those GoFundMes available. Um, okay, one, one more thing before we move on. I, I do want to give credit to Syracuse here. They played well. Um, offensively, you know, they handled their business again against a pretty – Pretty good Florida State defense, all things told. Eric Dungy does go down in this game with an injury. Tommy DeVito comes back, comes in, and, and completes 11 of 16 passes for 144 yards, a touchdown, and no picks. Um, that's encouraging. Um, now, we did get news today that uh, it's looking like Eric Dungy is going to be back for next week's game. So it, it won't be a prolonged injury just yet. But as we know, Eric Dungy has a history of struggling to stay healthy in this offense. Just yet. Uh, so it is at least if I'm a if I'm a Syracuse fan, it is at least comforting to know that uh, that you know they've got someone there waiting in the wings that is perfectly capable of taking over this offense. So again, just a, a ridiculous looking team right now in Florida State. Syracuse really good win for them. Um, by the way, one of the weird parts of this game, the Carrier Dome, it was uh, like at like 89 degrees or something during this game, Mike. Dan, do you know what the Carrier Dome is named after? Uh, last time I checked, it was an air conditioning company. Yeah, so you're telling me that a dome that's sponsored by an HVAC company had a broken air conditioner. So that's just fantastic. Go ACC to that. Go ACC. Listen, I, I, listen I grew up going to the old Boston Garden, so I'm uh, I, I'm 89 degrees. Is actually feels like home for would felt like home for me with the old Larry Bird. Uh, Larry Bird, Boston Garden in the in the NBA Finals against the Lakers. I'd have been all over that. So I'm never I'm never going to complain about the hot weather in the dome. 
Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right, let's move on here. Pittsburgh 24, my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets 19. Um, let's let's start out hitting on Pittsburgh here and then come back to Georgia Tech. They they start off pretty well here. Uh, they score a couple of first half or a couple of first quarter touchdowns. Uh, you know, some good running by Quadri Allison on one of them, a short field. They turn into a touchdown um, on the on the ensuing drive. So pretty quickly get out to a 14-0 lead. Overall, they looked pretty good in the first half and then just kind of hung on in the second half as Georgia Tech tried to mount a comeback and couldn't quite get get, get it all the way there, I think, is the story of the game here. Uh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Uh, Pitt's offense, not too overly inspiring. Uh, you mentioned a Quadri Allison touchdown run. Outside of that, he had 16 carries for 60 yards. So not, not great. Um, Pitt's rushing attack. Took him 31 carries to get 138 yards. Kenny Pickett, 197 and a pick. Uh, he was 16 of 23, so that's good from an efficiency standpoint. Georgia Tech rushes for 320 yards. Like you said, they dug themselves into a hole. They're scratching and clawing to get back into the game. Uh, yeah, more questions than answers about Georgia Tech here. That's kind of where I'm left looking at this game. I mean, just more questions than answers. Yeah, and, and and I think it's I think it's fair to look having watch to and and I didn't watch all of this game admittedly, but I um you know watching Pitt's offense and and seeing the fact that Pitt's Pitt's offense is going to be the the ultimate game manager. Uh, I think that's that's kind of their mo. Uh, have a running back pro style offense that can pound the rock and and if that's not working, just complete enough passes to win the game. And and I think that's kind of what you're going to see out of them. Um, if you're Georgia Tech, the problem is. As always, if you're Georgia Tech, is if you get down early uh, in an option offense, which I think is is just a kind of a that goes across the board with a triple option. Uh, but secondly, is if you don't maximize your opportunities and you, for Georgia Tech, you run into the problem of if you hit against a ball control offense, which is what Pittsburgh was. I, I remember, Joey, I remember that game with Boston College back in the um, back in Dublin uh, a couple of years ago. And I remember the fact that somebody had said to me that each team averages something like seven to nine drives per game. And the number per team was substantially less because BC was running a run first offense and Georgia Tech is obviously primarily, I mean, they, what do they throw the ball 10, 15 times a game tops? Uh, and, and that's and that's an outlier. So if you're looking at that game and you're looking at Georgia Tech, you, you have to answer the question of what you're going to do in a situation when you don't score points early and you're against a team, you're playing against a team that has the ability to control the clock and, and can play a game that can eat out that clock. Yeah, they can pretty easily just run away and hide with the ball, right? I mean, again, Pitt gets up 21-0 at halftime and, and didn't have to put together a ton of, of offense in the second half. I think you're right that Pitt seems like a team that's very content scoring like 24 to 27 points a game and either, you know, living or dying by that number. Like they're not going to try to light up the scoreboard by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, it, that's not the most fun for me to watch, you know, but clearly it's working. I mean, you got to give them that. Um, There's a place for it. There's a place for it in college, in college football. Oh, certainly. Certainly. I look. All right. Here's where I'm at on Georgia tech right now. Um, Here we go. Here we go. I so I, I kind of believe at this point that I think the universe might be trying to tell Paul Johnson that it's over. 
Uh, it's it's time to to move on. It's time to go play eighteen holes a day, and you know, not worry about it because it's I just time, it's time to play eighteen holes a day, man. I just he it, I I get the feeling that he has kind of hitched his wagon to a few of the wrong people, and, and it's not not through any necessary fault of his own, but it's clear that Taquan Marshall is not going to be an effective passer. Uh, it is clear that he's not going to make the best decisions in the option game. It's clear that the offensive line coaching that has gone on here has been completely and entirely ineffective. Uh, it, I, I mean, Georgia Tech comes out flat in this game, just looks like a mess early on. Again, I didn't really totally watch, but from watching a lot of the commentary, looking at some of the play-by-play, it's very apparent that they were just a mess. First three drives, you know, don't get a first down. I mean, that's – when this offense can't grind out a first down on their first three possessions, you know, it's about to get real bad. Um, I, I just, this team cannot play on the road. There's something broken about their mental status to where they get up and have leads and they still lose them. I mean, it's just, I'm running out of patience with this whole Paul Johnson thing and this whole coaching staff. You know, I, I do like the Nate Woody hire. I think that the defense can and will be better if given enough time. I just, I think it's going to end up being a question of whether Nate Woody stays for the next coaching staff. Um, and and I, I would be okay if he did, but I mean, right now what we're seeing is just not, it's not going to get it done. And it's really disappointing. I mean, Georgia tech has now lost two of, I thought both winnable games, games where they you know probably should have at least been considered the better team on the field, you know, from a talent and execution standpoint. And it's, it's a coaching issue. It's a coaching issue. And that's where I really run out of patience with this whole thing. And, and, I don't know. You got Clemson coming to town. How could that possibly go wrong? I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm pretty frustrated. I'm pretty done with this coaching staff. I, I need to see something later this year to convince me otherwise, but I'm just not sure I'm going to see it at this point. Over under six and a half wins for Georgia Tech, Joey. Well, I got a personal investment on going over six, and I'm starting to really worry about that investment. I mean, the way that this team plays on the road – the Louisville game is so winnable. I mean, Louisville's got their own set of issues we'll get to here in a little bit. But if you can't win on the road, it's not going to matter. And so at that point, I mean, I'm not so sure this team's going to make a bowl game. And that's really disappointing um, to go two straight years without a bowl game. That's, uh, um, you know, So at this point, under six and a half. And frankly, I might go under six if I had to, based on what I've seen the last two weeks. Okay, well. <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> that's where Joey's at. Um, I picked Georgia Tech to finish third in the Coastal, and I don't know why I did that. I mean, because I think you reasonably thought there was going to be some improvement from last year, right? They brought back all these starters and all this. I mean, yes, Kervonte Benson's out for the year, but I, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's a talent issue with Jordan Mason and uh, and, and Jerry Howard. I mean, it's it's still a thing of Taquan Marshall has not improved and Paul Johnson has kind of hitched his wagon to, to Taquan Marshall at this point, And that's it. And I mean, he's not going to be good enough. And next thing you know, they can't win games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, the alternatives were, okay, who else finishes third? Like Duke who looks damn good, by the way, we'll talk about them in a second. Um, mm-hmm. Duke, Virginia, Pittsburgh. I, those are your other options, really. Um, Virginia Tech. If you finish short, if you pick Georgia Tech to finish second, I mean, those are your options. Uh, yeah, it's just. 
I'm starting to look at this conference. I'll be real honest, guys. I'm looking at this conference. I think there might be like maybe like three or four good teams, and there's a whole bunch of highly questionable. I'm not sure Pitt's all that good. I don't think Georgia Tech lost to a good Pitt yeah. team here. Pitt's Pitt's not Pitt's not good. I don't think. Um, I don't think Georgia Tech's all that good either. Frankly, at this point, I, I mean, don't know. I don't know. I don't know much about this conference, but I can tell you what. After three weeks. I think my argument that I made and Joey, maybe you echoed this. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we were talking about the depth of the ACC and how this could be one of the deepest conferences in college football this year. Um, incorrect. Yeah. Three, three weeks. Very wrong. Yeah. We missed on that. I think we were wrong. Yep. All right. Uh, we'll move on from this pity party. Um, Team that doesn't need to be pitied. Virginia 45, Ohio 31. This game played in Nashville, and uh, Virginia just takes care of business here. They're, uh, you know, we talked about who's good and who's not. I think there's a chance that Virginia's like the third best team in the coastal right now. Good God. That's what kind of season we're talking about. Hey, Dan, Virginia's got an offense. Yeah, did, weren't they pretty good? They were pretty good last year, weren't they? They decent. started out the year, they, they were decent. Um, and, and I know I'm always sunshine and rainbows, uh, at all times because I'm just always sunshine and rainbows at all times, but I didn't hate Virginia. And I saw the only thing that Virginia ran into last year was a very hungry and very talented Anthony Brown. And then after that, I totally forgot most about what was going on with Virginia, but I remember they were, I think a five win team when BC played them. Um, and I know you guys say hey, they took care of business against Ohio. They did. They had 400 yards passing, 170 yards rushing. Jordan Ellis had a whole bunch of touchdowns, but you know, you can't at the same time it, in, in the way that college football has always seemed to go. Uh, you can't really take that for granted sometimes. And given everything that they needed to do, they, if, if you want to be a seven or an eight win team, you have to do what they did against Ohio. That's always been, I think I said that to you guys preseason talking about BC when I said, it's not unfair if you want BC and want to talk about them as an eight or nine win team to look at games against UMass and say, all right, that's just a win. Chalk it up and chalk up the what they have to do in that game. And, and so I think if you're looking at Virginia and you want to say, like I am, hey, I thought they were pretty good. I mean, if they, I think they had seven wins last year and, and maybe they're a seven or eight win team this year, especially given that the Coastal is always wide open. You say they, they, they did what they had to do and you move on. I mean, that's, 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 I think one of the biggest compliments you can give a team in those, in those games. Joey, most impressive stat in this football game, Bryce Perkins, 25 of 30 passing for 379 and three touchdowns. He completed 25 of 30 passes. And I don't know if that's more shocking or the fact that he had 10 carries for eight yards. <laughs> Missed that initially. That whole, like the whole game for him just got flipped upside on its head. For what he's used to. Uh, did did anybody cover Zacchaeus in that game? I just looked at his stat line. Nine catches, 247 yards, and two touchdowns. Decent. Very That's a good yeah. day. That's a very good day. I think you take that. Um, I I don't know how that happens. Um, that's, yeah, a situation where he's not being covered or something. I, I, I will say, as a caveat in this game, I'm not entirely sure how good this Ohio team is. I realize they went 9-4 and four last year and damn near won the MAC, but they lost or they barely beat uh what was it Howard or something a couple weeks ago 38-32. So we might not be talking about the best Ohio team and we might be getting a, a bit of an inflated view of Virginia here, but again, they've pretty much taken care of business other than a close loss to Indiana, but 
at the very least, it seems like they have figured out a, a pretty consistent offensive threat here. I think it, it, if nothing else, uh, Virginia's got something to build on there. And, you know, one more thing I can add in here just because I, I like to add these types of sayings. And I don't even know what this means in the case of Ohio, but these aren't your grandfather's Bobcats. <laughs> so. Hey, Mike, when in Rome. Yeah. When in Rome. Let's keep moving. Uh, Duke 40, Baylor 27. Needless to say, the post-Daniel Jones era is working out okay. Um, Quentin Harris, I mean, for what it was, he was maybe not the best in this game. Uh, he was much better on the ground, 14 carries for 83 yards. But in the, through the air, 12 of 30 for 174 yards. So if, if nothing else, he was efficient with his completions? Uh, who, is, who is Daniel Jones? Um. <laughs> Was Quentin, mean, Harris, was Quentin Harris that good? Uh, probably not, but I don't think any of us saw him throwing for three touchdowns in this football game. Uh, that was a welcome surprise. Uh, plus, he had 83 yards on the ground. So, I mean, hey, could be a lot worse for a backup. They beat a Baylor team that, you know, had Michael Brewer's younger, younger brother in the game for a point. Jalen McClendon, former NC State Wolfpack quarterback. Um, was in the game as well. So I don't know. I mean, you know, I, f- I think Baylor might make a bowl game this year because the Big 12 is kind of atrocious and Matt Rules got them going in the right direction. But this is a huge win for Duke, like a huge win uh, to keep the momentum going on their season. Yeah. And, and, and I gotta, I gotta be honest. I don't know if you're any team and you look at Duke and you look at the, and you look at like, I know people still look at Duke and they see Duke football and, and they, and there's a, for lack of a better word, a stigma that comes with that uh, from from all their years of of struggle. But I don't know how, if you're any team, you look at Duke and you're not petrified to play them. Like they are that team that you look at and you have everything going right. And you're, you know, if this is week six or seven, uh, I'm trying to think who does who does Duke play later this year? Let me, let me like at the worst possible time, Miami. There we go. At Miami, November 3rd. If Miami is somehow moving forward and starts to, you know, figure out where their problem, figure out their problems and, and straighten out a couple of things there, and they're rolling and they play Duke, tell me that you don't feel comfortable in that game. Tell me you feel anybody who says they're comfortable in a Miami Duke football game say, oh, yeah, turnover chain's going to walk into that game and walk out with three or four turnovers. I would hate to see Duke with like three weeks left on the season. I would just hate to see them on my schedule. We could ask Cam about that, and I have a bad feeling that the answer would just be depends on who's playing quarterback for Miami. Because who boy, Malik Rozier throwing into the Duke defense is a uh, might be a sight to behold. Um, anyways, yeah, good win for Duke here to keep the momentum rolling. They get a really easy one against NC Central next week before they travel to Blacksburg, or is Virginia Tech going there, Mike? Virginia Tech's going there, and it was announced today it's going to be a primetime game, seven p.m. on ESPN. Oh hell yeah! Those, Good night uh, on that. ACC at dark, not even after dark, just at dark. I was going to say, there is nothing like a good old ESPN 7 o'clock game from Wallace Wade Stadium. Look forward to that one. That really gets the juices flowing, all 15 people there. Yes, it does. Let's go quickly. Louisville 20, Western Kentucky 17. Louisville, probably not very good, Mike. Um, Very trash. It looks like Jawan Pass has lost his job as the starter. Uh, That's not encouraging. Louisville in the first half has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven drives, and five of them ended in a three and out or a turnover. Um, 
Louisville had a, a pretty inspired effort at, at, in the second half to come back. But, I mean, this is, again, not your daddy's Western Kentucky team, and Louisville just really struggled with this game. Uh, yeah, you struggle against a team that lost to Maine the week before. So that's the state of the Louisville program. Like you said, Jawan Pass probably not getting on the field anymore. So First. that's something. Do not sleep on New England college football like that. I mean, that the, don't sleep on those black bears. They took out UNH earlier this year, man. <laughs> I know I have I have friends who are not happy with that result. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Uh, Louisville fans aren't happy with this result, and you fell down 14 nothing to Western Kentucky. The offense looked completely and totally inept through the air. Malik Cunningham, 10 of 18 passes for 88 yards. Um, Jawan Pass 0 for 3 in a pick. Uh, yeah, we're not going to see a lot of Jawan Pass, I don't think, moving forward. Louisville's garbage. Uh, would be surprised if they made a bowl game. Uh, I was wrong about them having an awakening. Ethan Moore talked me into it, and I believed him. I, I really wanted to believe him, but not looking good for Louisville. Not a great challenge. I'm not going to lie. He kind of talked me into it, too, a little bit after I had been very doom and gloom about the Cardinals for months. And so I, I don't blame you, Mike. He talked me into it, too. But I think we're seeing some of my uh, my fears coming to roost here. So might be tough sledding for Louisville here moving forward. Um, they're 2-1. and one. They're going to Charlottesville next weekend where they're going to be an underdog to Virginia, which a month ago nobody would have uh, would have believed that, I feel like. So um, something to keep monitoring. Uh, moving on, we've got a couple more here. Number 21, Miami 20. Uh, no, not 20. Gosh, what did I type in here? Uh, Miami 49, Toledo 24. This is an easy win for Miami. Uh, they took care of business against a, uh, a Toledo team that can be very dangerous, uh, up 21-7 at the half, and then just cruise through the second half and have a pretty easy win here. Malik Rozier does not throw an interception, which is a big deal. He runs for three touchdowns, and uh, again, Pretty uh, pretty easy win and, and a good day for the uh, the Hurricanes here, Mike. Easy win. Uh, you had Miami fans on Twitter coming after Cam, telling him that Malik Rozier is the guy and he's back. That's adorable. Which is funny because his passing numbers weren't even very good. So um, Miami comes out. They're the better team on the road against Toledo. They easily cover, which I was surprised about. Uh I was also surprised Malik Rozier ran for three touchdowns. That's pleasant. Um, still have a lot of questions about this team, Joey, specifically offensively, and those questions will remain as long as Malik Rozier is the quarterback. So, yeah, didn't learn a whole lot about Miami. Uh, good win, though. It's it's good to win and cover on the road, that's for sure. I, I will say, yeah, I mean, his his passing numbers, he did carve up that Toledo defense to the tune of 13 for 23 for 205 and two touchdowns. Um, to be fair, two touchdowns, no picks, that's pretty good, but 13 to 23 for 205 is not going to, you know, it's not going to win you a Heisman. We'll, we'll say that. Three touchdowns on the ground doesn't hurt, though. So uh, overall, an easy win for Miami here. Last one, Clemson 38, Georgia Southern 7. Um, I had it, Eagles plus 33, nailed it. Um, the, the thing though, is that the line here moved before kickoff. And, and I think the closing line here was Clemson minus 31. And if I'm not mistaken, the closing total was 45 points. And Mike, I'll be damned if I didn't just see Clemson push the spread and the total in this game. 
that's about the most interesting thing I got. Other than Kelly Bryant, uh, we might have uh, we might have gotten our answer to this uh, quarterback situation at Clemson, Mike. Uh, yeah, him getting hurt helps. Um, mm-hmm. That clears things up. And I use helps, you know, in a different manner. Nobody wants to see him get hurt, but that clears things up. Uh, Trevor Lawrence did throw an interception in this game, but he was 12 of 19 for 194 and a touchdown. Um, Travis Etienne, my pick for offensive player of the year, 16 carries, 162 and two touchdowns. Sorry, Dan Rubin. It should have been A.J. Dillon. I screwed that up. Um, but it is what it is. Hey, you know, it's uh, so sometimes, sometimes you just gotta. It, I'll take it. Keep feeding AJ the uh, what? What do they say? Like the um, I'm trying to think here. Keep giving, keep giving the individual awards to other people. We'll, we'll work with that. We'll keep feeding, keep feeding him from there. The haterade. <laughs> the haterade. That's it. That's what. That's where we're going with it. Yeah, there it is. Um, I said to be fair, I did say that it should have been AJ Dillon in the preview, but I was like, I'm gonna think outside the box and go Travis Etienne because I am an idiot. So anyway, uh, comfortable win for Clemson. Didn't learn jack about this team. Uh, good for them not have a letdown after being in a dogfight with Texas A&M last Saturday, though. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, yeah I, I'd agree with you guys on that. And and the thing that, you know what, though, uh, and, and I've I've been following Clemson because, honestly, I think everybody in, in their right mind is following Clemson. I think that they're just a machine at this point, too, where, Certain times you just look at them and, and you know how like I was just saying about a team like um, if you want to be an eight or nine win team, you know that you have to expect them to handle certain games it, like the the Ohio game there and, and expecting Virginia to, to come out and win that game or expecting BC to beat a team like UMass or, or across the board. I think if you're looking at a team like Clemson, you're, the expectation of handling a letdown given what they've accomplished through their recent history is, you know, that the letdown game is going to happen, but avoiding it and, but avoiding it is kind of the, the way that they're wired. I, I don't necessarily think anybody looks at them and thinks, Oh, anymore at this point, Oh, they'll, they'll come out and have a pull of Clemson for lack of a better term. Um, if they're going to lose a game, they're going to get blindsided with it, or they're going to lose to a team like in Alabama or, you know, in past years of Florida State or somebody else who's going to be a top-ranked team. God, do you remember mm. when clubstinning was a thing? That feels like so long ago. It really does. Like, that just became not a thing, like, immediately. And it has something to do with Deshaun Watson getting to school for what that's worth. But, yes. um, yeah, Clemson really good here. It- uh just to recap, again, NC State and West Virginia canceled. North Carolina and Central Florida canceled. Virginia Tech and East Carolina canceled. I, I have not heard any words on it. If any of these will be made up, we will keep you updated as we find out. Mike, quickly, we got some awards. Uh, and our Go ACC Moment of the Week and our Dumpster Fire of the Week are related. I'll start with the Go ACC Moment of the Week. And I tweeted this out. Florida State scores their only touchdown of the game uh, with about six minutes left in the game, they go down. They're still down 23-7. to seven. They're going to try an onside kick, run a weird misdirection thing, and the kicker just drills it right at the return man who then picks up about 10 yards on the return. It was the uh, one of the worst executed onside kicks I've seen. Uh, go ACC to that Florida State. And Mike, hit him with the dumpster fire of the week. Uh, all together now, uh, the Florida State offensive line. Yeah, 
really bad. Complete total. For the people in the back. Yeah. Uh, so that everybody can hear uh, the Florida State offensive line. Yeah, real bad. Real, real bad. Really bad. Uh, and then finally, our Brian Van Gorder Memorial, you tried award of the week, goes to my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, who, for God knows what reason, ran one of the most atrocious fake punts you've ever seen. It's fourth and seven on their own 28-yard line in the first quarter. They snap the ball to a defensive end who tries to run a sweep and loses two yards. Paul Johnson, might be time. Might be time to go to that uh, – that that great golf course beyond, sir. Uh, it might be about time. The great golf course in the beyond. You trying to kill him off? No, no, no. Just you know the, that old coaching retirement home up in the mountains of North Carolina or something. Just go do that. Hasn't been that bad, has it? It hasn't. No, it hasn't. Not no. For the record, not advocating for like violence or any of that. So don't don't come back to me. This is not. I'm just saying it might be done. Be, might be time to stop coaching. That's all it is. <sighs> All right. Anyways, um, Dan Rubin, thank you for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Tell all the people where they can find your work. Hey, uh, at BC Dan Rubin on Twitter, uh, at Dan Rubin 12, um, hottest takes, I think, on God's green planet, especially because the Red Sox have 105 wins and are one win away as of recording from one win in the Bronx away from clinching the AL East division in, in New York. So I'm going to throw that in there just so I could work that in there for Mike and me. Um, but if, uh, you know, like I always say, I, I get a chance to work with, uh, with a lot of student athletes who are, who are great, who, who, who did it, who are dedicated in their, uh, their stories get told as well. So uh, be sure to follow uh, as we tell the, as we tell those stories uh, from way, you will get them from way down the, uh, way down the the river in terms of storylines. And there's there's some stuff that comes up that I think uh, people wouldn't ordinarily think about that is some really cool stuff to read and, and, and listen to. So, uh, so tune in. Well, Dan, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you as always. Um, keep riding that D train, and uh, we might have to have you back on at some point later in the season if Boston College keeps up this hell of a run that they're on right now. You guys realize how fast I was to be like willing to jump on when uh, after that Wake Forest game, like I, I I opened up my phone on Sunday or whatever it was, and there was just a whole host of or Friday, and there was the whole host of uh of like of of things that I was tagged in, and I was like, no, you guys really want me to come on and talk? I'll come on and talk. I mean, forty one <laughs> points in the forty one points for Boston College's offense, uh, uh, the nationally ranked for the first time since two thousand eight. I yeah, I'll come in. I'll, I guess I could say one or two things about that. Well, you uh, you are always the guy that we go to when we need the Boston College scorching hot takes. So, uh, once again, thanks for joining us, and uh, come back soon. You're welcome back anytime, man. College hockey's on the horizon. Oh, yeah. It's college hockey season. We might be a, a hockey podcast soon. There was a bad tweet that I sent, so go check that out if you didn't see it. Um, Dan Rubin, everybody. Mike, we got to get out of here. We got some games. We got to come back and preview here. Uh, week four in the ACC should be equally interesting, as every week is. Um until then they can find us on twitter i am at ftrs joey he is at mike mcdaniel cfb and together we're at bc podcast acc and once again he is at bc dan rubin or at dan rubin 12 on twitter go check him out and all of his stuff over at eagleunlimited.com uh, mike they can find us on itunes google play soundcloud the overcast app wherever fine podcasts are sold for free sometime in the near future it'll be spotify so get ready for that 
Uh, tell them where they can find us on the social medias. Uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference. Rate and review. Find all of our podcasts there. Rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't done so already. Uh, or else I'll hunt you down. Yes, he will. And, and uh, you know, you don't want that. You don't want no. that. You don't want all five nine hundred and fifty 150 pounds of me coming at you. Mike has a very special set of skills that make him a nightmare for people like you. So go rate us on iTunes. Um, Mike, by the way, they can send us an email with the, their questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. I almost forgot about the most important part of the show right there. So I apologize for that. Uh, Mike, lastly, they can find us on YouTube. If they want, just go search Basketball Conference out and you can go find us and, and see our videos and see the video of uh, Dan's pretty little porch sitting behind him. Yeah, he's sitting outside. That's what those uh, that nice ambiance has been the whole podcast. You know what? It's New England. It's New England in September. If I'm not outside, there's something wrong, even though whatever's left of, of Hurricane Florence is on its way up here tomorrow. We're getting about five inches of rain. I say that, but I, I also say that knowing fully well that the people down in the Carolinas uh, had it a lot worse than we do. Yes. <laughs> yeah yes. and, and to those who were affected we again our thoughts and prayers to you guys i uh, hope everyone's okay high and dry and uh and, and managing all right with uh, all the uh all the hardships that have come over the last several days um our, our thoughts and prayers are with you once again mike anything else before we get out of here i don't think so um i'm going to take a big gal on the whole betting thing this weekend that didn't go well so we'll try again this saturday joey and see if i can you know, fix some things. The same thing we do every weekend, Mike. The same thing we do every weekend. All right. Well, we're going to come back and preview those games shortly. Uh, and until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel and Mr. Dan Rubin, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.